Okay, so we're focusing um, this year and today on a motto verse, and which we've chosen for the year, which is um, expressed like this from Psalm 105. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek him continually. Um, when I speak from the front, I really um, try to make a point of speaking from Scripture and bringing what I sense God is saying to us from Scripture. It's really rare for me to do anything else um, than to share Scripture and from that what God is saying to us today. Um, But this morning, um, for a few minutes, um, I want to share with you something of my very personal experience of seeking God. Um, in the way that this verse urges us to do. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek him continually. So um, this is my personal experience of seeking God. And when I say God, I mean, um, sometimes I will speak of God, sometimes I will speak of um, the Lord. And what I mean when I speak of God is um, God as he has revealed himself in Christ and most specifically in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you will have heard some of this. You may know that on the 27th of August, just recently passed, the largest hunt in 50 years, took place for the Loch Ness Monster. Who knew that? Okay, I read about that with some interest. It's all about people hoping to find a sign that the monster is real. And I confess it interests me a bit, though I didn't go up to Scotland. Apparently, this year, for the first time, thermal imaging drones and and a hydrophone were used. And apparently, four mysterious and previously unheard noises were noted. And a giant shadow just beneath the surface was captured on camera. Unfortunately, the noises, I think, were not because the the gear wasn't um, turned on. And people who persevere in the search for the Loch Ness Monster must seriously believe in the possibility of its existence. And the search will go on. I hope it will. How much it matters and what difference it makes if the Loch Ness Monster exists is something else. How much it matters whether God exists is a matter of cosmic importance 
It makes a difference to absolutely everything in the universe. I've sort of got that. I sort of got that when I was quite young. If there were just a small chance that God exists, and I think that there are many pointers to the reality of God, it seems to me that it's of huge importance that I spend time, even my whole life, seeking God out. And that is how I felt from my junior school, early teenage years. At times I have questioned the reality of God. Countless times I have felt certain of his presence. And you see this experience of God in characters in the Bible and throughout, especially in a very intense way, the Psalms. Indeed, paradoxically, that means it seems like opposites, the Psalms often show strong, deep faith when the psalmist is experiencing God's complete absence. And listen to these opening lines, which wouldn't have been written if somehow deep underneath the psalmist believed that God existed. Just a few. Why, Lord, do you stand off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. I can't see you. I can't hear you. I can't feel you. But Lord God, I'm sure you're there somewhere. And I want to see you. To hear you. To feel you. Please. Please show yourself. One thing that I've done pretty consistently throughout my life is to read the Bible on a daily basis. As a teenager, the book of Proverbs was so significant to me that it's worth mentioning. I read it a great deal. For several years now, just recently, uh, up to today... Um, I've read a psalm every day and reflected on it. 
You know, it's a great and wonderful thing when you sense that God is speaking to you in your reading of Scripture. But for me, it's about imbibing Scripture, the whole of Scripture, cover to cover, hiding it away in my mind so that it becomes part of me and lies ready to be recalled and applied to life. Sometimes when I'm least expecting it. And I believe that this is an essential, if undramatic, way of seeking God continually. As a small boy, my parents read Bible stories and prayed with me until I was old enough to read on my own, probably about the age of eight or nine. I was very open to what I was hearing, however hard it seemed, and specially really moved as a small child by the story of the trial and crucifixion of Christ. I opened my heart to the Lord at an early age, but I felt disappointed, concerned, perhaps let down at the lack of accompanying feelings. Perhaps I hadn't done it right. Perhaps it wasn't true. It didn't seem to work for me like I thought it should. However, these worrying doubts together with my growing familiarity with scripture and with Christians whose lives I respected, led to a more serious inner search for God rather than a moving away from him. And so I continued to read the Bible daily and enjoyed being part of the church community. School was a massive challenge. As the Christian set had no one I would choose as a friend and didn't impress me with their lives. And this didn't help my faith at all. I was a reluctant and perhaps usually absent member of the CU. I preferred to be with the sporty group, which because of my faith, I was on the edge of. I wasn't at all upfront about my faith, though there was something very real going on inside. So I had quite a lonely time through school. And during this time, I found help in various youth groups. I was recruited to play the piano from the age of 10, so joined two such groups below age. And during this time... I started to feel challenged about completely surrendering my life to the Lord. Would I be willing to do absolutely anything for him? 
I, I would have heard these questions asked, but really the challenge was going on from my own heart and mind. Was I really ready to say, I'll do anything for you in my life, Lord? What do you want me to do? It was a serious question. And I knew that it demanded a definite commitment or not. And I thought about it over quite a long period of time. And then eventually, one evening in the secrecy of my bedroom, I promised the Lord that I was willing to give my life to doing anything that I felt him call me to. And I thought, I better tell someone about this just to seal it. So I contacted um, one of the youth leaders who I thought would be responsive and helpful And I told him about it, and he clearly just thought that I was telling him that I was being called to be a missionary. I was so disappointed. I felt really let down. He misunderstood me. I'd opened my heart to someone who didn't understand me. Just as a point of interest, I found out where he was about about probably within 10 years ago, and I wrote him an email and got a reply. It was quite fun. So despite this promise that I'd made to God, when I went to college, I was on my own. I really felt that. I was free. I thought about my school days and the tussle. I thought of what I would do if I wasn't a Christian. Get in there, you know, have a great time. Anything goes. I couldn't understand people who called themselves Christians and didn't get on with um, what I thought might be a really good and interesting life where I'd like to be. So when I went to college, from day one, I'd already planned it out. I decided to spend the first few days completely on my own to give serious thought to my Christian position. I wanted college to be different to school. If I couldn't commit to following Christ openly, I wouldn't follow him at all. So, for those first few days, I avoided and steered clear of Christians in the CU who I knew, because they'd had letters from home churches, were seeking out the Christians to gather them together. I watched them in the quad meeting to go to a certain place for their meetings and thought, okay, off you go. I'm not you at the moment. I'm thinking about this. And I spent all my free time in my room, praying, reading the Bible, thinking, reflecting. And after two or three days, I was in my room. And talking about having scripture in your mind. These words of Jesus to Peter came to me so powerfully. From this time, many of his disciples turned back. 
and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. That was it. I fell on my knees in tears, determining that as a student I would be open about my faith. And I was. Questions and doubts have pursued me throughout my life. And a verse like our motto is a great help to me. There's an urgency in these words and it suggests two things to me above everything else. First, that the Lord is not easily found. And second, that we should never stop searching for him. Our seeking after God never ends. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek him continually. So this is a short summary of my lifetime experience. An almost daily conscious searching for God to this day. I've had countless experiences of him, but also times when I've not been able to see him at all. I find him in the Christ of Scripture. I find him in prayer. I find him in the natural world. I also find him in reflecting on, discussing and debating the big issues. Why are we here? Where does it all come from? What is freedom? And I do discuss those issues with a variety of people on a regular basis. I actually find it faith-strengthening. And I find him in claims made by others, though, for me, there are claims that raise more questions than answers. I personally, especially, find him in hard places. Observing fellow Christians who are clearly experiencing God's presence, whether they say it or not, through serious challenges. I've said this before, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you, thank you. Thank you to those of you here, many of you, who show the reality of Christ in the dark places. It has a massive influence on me. The people who think they're of no consequence have more influence on me, perhaps, than many people who can be standing at the front. 
thank you. The Psalms echo this experience. Indeed, the personal call to seek God is the driving force behind the book of Psalms. The psalmist comes under attack from every side, external, internal, moral, spiritual, physical, mental, yet persists in his pursuit of the Lord God. And finally, I take special notice of the sun. The source of physical life and energy, which speaks to me of the Son of God. The Son is always there, it does not move. Everything rotates around it. Every 24 hours, it's in the southern hemisphere and can't be seen for several hours. And even in the day, the sun, like now, can be hidden behind clouds. But it is always there. Without it, we would not exist. Listen to this. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones or powers, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The existence of God does not depend on what anybody thinks. Either he is, or he is not. For me, he is, even when I struggle to believe. For me, the most important pursuit of my life has been and remains to seek the Lord and his strength, and to do so continually to my very last breath. Thanks, Andy. Um, I'm going to share just for a few minutes, and then we'll be heading towards lunch, but... Um, you will probably know if you've um, been seeing the bulletin and stuff that we are heading into a week of prayer. 
starting tomorrow. Um, and this week is going to just be a time of us corporately as God's people seeking God and pursuing his heart and really pressing into him. Um, and so I'm just going to have a little bit of a chat about how and, and why we would seek him corporately. And I don't know if you were around a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was a talk uh, that I did called Here I Am Stuck in the Middle with You, um, which was looking at uh, this. Is this sound okay? Is that all right? Yeah. Turn it. This is on. Do you want me to turn? You can hear me. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so that, that talk was Here I Am Stuck in the Middle with You, and it was um, a, a talk around this recognition that, you know, Jesus called us to pray, let your kingdom come. And we are in this, this period of time after which Jesus came and introduced the kingdom, the kingdom of, of, of his presence, the rule and the reign of God. Um, but we're not yet at the time where he will come again and establish his rule and reign fully. So we're in that awkward place in the middle where his kingdom is here and not fully here. Um, Understanding that his kingdom is come but not fully yet. Understanding our calling to advance God's kingdom. And, and understanding that, that our pressing into God, our pursuit of him in prayer and worship, it changes things. Changes the atmosphere, it changes our attitude, it changes our perspective, it changes circumstances, it changes towns and changes churches changes families god breaking in the kingdom of god breaking into the here and now breaking into our situations brings about change and transformation um i want us to quickly look at something from second chronicles and this is a um a great little passage uh david had been commissioned by god to build a temple he hadn't managed to complete that, but uh, Solomon finished the temple. And uh, there'd been this, at the beginning of chapter 7 of Second Chronicles, there's this uh, ceremony where they dedicated the temple to God and they worshipped and the priests consecrated themselves and they sacrificed 120,000 sheep. I dread to think what that would have looked and smelt like and sounded like and horrendous. But anyway, there was this process of dedicating the temple to God. And then it talks about how God's presence, his manifest presence, filled the temple. And the priests couldn't even stand to fulfill their duty because of the sense of God's glorious presence in, in his house. And then just at the end of that chapter, it says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the holy palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace. The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a place for temple sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. 
Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be honoured there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully as your father David did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I've covenanted with David your father and I said you shall never fail to have a successor in rule over Israel. But if you turn away from me and forsake the decrees and commands I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them... Then I will uproot Israel from my land, and I will have given the, from the land I've given them, and I will reject this temple that I've consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword, an object of ridicule among the peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and say, "Why has the Lord done such a thing to the land and to His temple?" People will answer, "Because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods." Worshipping and serving them, that is why he brought them this disaster. I just want to think about the concept for a couple of minutes that the sovereign God of all creation, the designer and creator of the cosmos, from Colossians 1 that Andy was just reading, the one who holds all things together, the sovereign God of all creation is aligning, we might even say limiting, the display of his power and reign, limiting that to the prayers, the devotion, the choices of his people. God help us to really get a hold of that reality. If and then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sin, if then I will forgive their sin, I will I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. And God, I, I thank you that you... You desire to be at work among us. I thank you that you're at work even when we don't see it. You're at work even when we don't feel it. But you desire, Lord, to establish your kingdom among us. You desire fruitfulness. You desire us to be walking in a continual awareness of your presence. You desire, God, for us to live lives which advance your kingdom. Through, through intercession, through calling on your name, through the pursuit of your presence, and through choosing to be your hands and your feet. Thank you that you're calling us to live lives of prayer and to really get a hold of the reality that prayer changes things. There's a great little line in the Alpha Course, Nicky Gumbel says, you know, when we pray, an awful lot of coincidence happen. And when we don't pray, it's, oh, what about that? Those coincidences didn't happen. God is calling us as individuals, but as a church community, to be agents of change. 
agents of change where we see his kingdom really breaking out, his rule, his reign, his freedom, his goodness breaking out in the lives of people that we have contact with. We have contact with so many people through our workplaces, through every classroom that every student is in, through the ministries that we're developing in the church. So many people. And as God moves among us, as God causes us to be so uh, saturated in his presence, so in love with him and so full of his, his, his power, so full of his goodness, that that spills out and his authority, his rule and his reign begins to spill out of us into those around us. And so as we think of this week, um, there's some practicalities. Here we've got, oh, the pen on the floor. Uh, a little sign-up sheet. So we've got prayer in one-hour slots that you're uh, invited or pleaded with to sign up to. Uh, we've got uh, quite a lot of them still vacant. This is going to be available for the rest of the day. And we'll move this table a bit more centrally once the chairs have gone. Give you an opportunity to sign up for an hour. And uh, you might think, an hour? Praying for an hour? How can I pray for an hour? That's crazy. Uh, so I've just created this little sheet, uh, which has got some thoughts, ideas, suggestions as to what you might do uh, for the hour. And there are also some times when we're going to be gathering together corporately to pray, which you may be available for. So here's some suggestions, ways that you can fill an hour with prayer. So one suggestion, actually take time to read scripture out loud. I would recommend, if there are a few psalms that we could recommend for that, and actually just declaring God's word out loud. Um, so prayer walking, walk around the area where you live, your community, walk down Newbury High Street, wherever, walk around the area where you live and pray and speak God's blessing over the community, over the people that you see. Obviously not necessarily walking up to them and saying, I just want to pray God's blessing on you. Although you may feel led to do that. Praying God's blessing and speaking God's blessing over the streets, over our community. We're going to be doing that around Wash Common at five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Gather with others to pray. So if, there's, if you're thinking, oh, I don't think I could fill an hour, just turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to do four o'clock on Thursday and do that together. Sit in the stillness in the garden with a coffee and just listen to God and maybe write down on a piece of paper things that, that start to come into your mind and just listen to God. Journal, write down the thoughts that come into your mind anything you feel God speaking to you through prayer or through his word just get it written down and share that with others spend time praying in tongues if you have that gift uh, another suggestion walk slowly through the Lord's prayer take a, a line at a time pray it and then just think about what it means start to go off and meander around that that particular line and just pray the Lord's Prayer, into your family, into your situation, into the people that you know about. Uh, use a prayer guide. There's lots of them available. Uh, there's this thing here, which we've got 30 copies of. So this is great for if you are uh, fairly new to faith. Uh, I've got quite a lot of people around who haven't been Christians for very long, but actually it could, be, it could work for anyone. And I would recommend if you're booking yourself in for an hour of prayer and you're not quite sure what to pray through, just take this. And work your way through it and pray the prayers that are in it and ask God to speak to you. 
Uh, and there's also a thing called the ACTS model, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And just uh, So take one of these. We've got one per household. Uh, get yourself signed up. And uh, let's pray for God to be at work. There's a whole suggestion there of things that we can be praying into around our gatherings and our life groups, the ministries of the church, our workplaces, our places of education, uh, our homes, our communities, uh, and our people, so people within the church who we know have got specific needs. Um, Because I really feel like as we do that and as we push into God and as we pursue him, as we say, God, we're serious and we're hungry for you. We're hungry for what you're doing. It's putting ourselves aside and saying, God, it's you who does the work. It's you who changes lives. It's you who brings people to the foot of the cross. It's you who breaks chains. It's you who heals hearts, Lord. Thank you for all that you've given us to do. Thank you for the giftings that you placed in the church. Thank you for the activities and the social ministries that we are able to do and engage with our community. But God, it is you who brings about change. And we pray, God, for the outbreak of your Holy Spirit among us as we seek you. As we take time to bring ourselves before you as a church community. And just so you know, at the beginning, so every January, every April, every September, we're going to be taking a week aside to to really pray and bring to God that next season, that next term. And say, God, will you move among us every activity, everything that's going on in this next three, four months. We pray, God, that your presence will be upon it, that your touch will be upon it, that as we gather, we will we will encounter you. In our conversations, Lord, let us encounter you. As we spend time in your word, let us encounter you. Be speaking to us, we pray. Work among us. There's a, I'll finish with a little few lines from something that I felt God saying in April. was in a talk on the community response to the risen Christ, looking at the uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47. But this here is a song that I really strongly felt God saying, and I want us to take this on board. And band, if you want to be ready to come, and we'll just worship before we go to lunch. But I felt God saying, you'll never need to twist my arm to make me want to pour out my spirit on my church. My glorious church, you... My glorious church is the hope of the world, is my inheritance and is the reason why I came. I'm wholly committed to my church and I'm ready and willing to bless. I just want you to make space for me. Make space for me in your gatherings, in your planning meetings, in your life groups, in your conversations, in your workplaces, in your hearts. Think of what I said. I only do what I see the Father doing, and without me, you can do nothing. The movement of my spirit within and among you is where it all begins. Let me have your hearts. Let me have your time. Let me have your passion, your devotion, your possessions, your obedience. Let me have your homes, and you will not be able to contain what I will do among you.
I just felt super encouraged. I've read several of his books, but there's this one I'm reading at the moment, Red Moon Rising, Pete Gregg. If you haven't read this book, uh, there's a few copies of it here. You're welcome to take, uh, read it, pass it on. Uh, it's it's a, a book uh, kind of telling the story of the beginning of the 24-7 prayer movement and God really stirring the hearts of people to pray. Uh, and it's full of incredibly encouraging stories, real stories of real people's lives and real communities that have begun to be changed by the power of God's people praying. So uh, if you feel like you need a little bit of a nudge or a bit of encouragement around the area of prayer, please just take one of these and take one of the little booklets. Um, there's these things, which why don't we just pass these around now if you want to take and then take per household. Um, and that's just some thoughts there. Hattie, don't just pass that over to that side. Thanks. Uh, just some uh, little thoughts and ways that you might find helpful in, in leading us into this week of prayer. And shall we stand together? I want to pray for us as we um, come to worship. God, we just want to thank you. Because as we bring ourselves before you in prayer and we say that we want to pursue you, we say that we're hungry for you, I thank you that you desire to interact with us and to move among us much more than we desire you. Thank you that as we come to seek you, as we press into your heart, Lord, as we come to you, really we're crawling up into the lap of our Heavenly Father, where we are welcome, where we are loved, where we're cherished. And where we're listened to. Thank you that we're heard in your presence. And so I pray that you would help us all to really begin to develop a, a pattern of pursuing you. Of pressing into you. Of recognising how important it is to really worship you. And I pray God that as we do that this week. And as we gather together next Saturday night. Lord I pray that we will sense uh, a, 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 gift, a, a gear change, Lord, a shift in the atmosphere as we move into a new season in you. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.